Since you're a podcast listener, I bet there have been times you wish that you could talk directly with the host and podcast guest. Well, now you can jump into conversations with Farm to Table Talk guests by downloading the Clubhouse app to your iPhone or Android phone. Clubhouse is a social audio app allowing users to communicate in voice chat rooms, in this case with Farm to Table Talk podcast guests. Just download the app, follow me, Roger Wasson, and join the Farm to Table Talk Clubhouse rooms. It's free and fun to finally talk with the people you've heard in the podcast. Two-way communications on Clubhouse. What a concept. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Well, we always talk about the kind of the food chain and links in the food chain that are connecting people all the way from the farms and the ranches and even the fisheries through the people that are processing and distributing and getting ultimately to the consumers. There's a lot more of that happening, um, but how it happens and how you can make it easier for people to connect with the suppliers, connect with, with um, the producers and with their customers and make that all move smooth means that there's a place for technology to make these things happen. And my guest today is in the middle of it, Joseph Lee, and Joseph is the co-founder and CPO of fresh line and hey joseph welcome to farm to table talk oh thanks for having me aboard uh super excited to you know jam on local food uh how farmers and producers and suppliers can you know build a more resilient future obviously in this new uh post-covid environment that we're in oh yeah i hope we're post-covid forever although i saw something the other day said you know if we're not careful there'll be a covid 25 a covid 40 oh no <laughs> But I think that if there was anything, there's nothing good to be said about the, the pandemic. But I do think that there has just been a, a burst of new businesses that, especially on the food industry, that's trying to streamline connections and trying to make the whole system more resilient and not having to go through kind of like bottlenecks. Of, totally. Uh, and... Now, did you create your company uh, before we started doing this, or uh, were you already under underway, or were you kind of inspired by the challenges of the last year? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so Freshline was definitely a direct result uh, of the pandemic of COVID, uh, but you know we've been working in supply chains and local food systems for over four years. So prior to Freshline, we had a company called uh, coastline market. And the whole thesis and our mission there was uh, connect, connecting commercial seafood harvesters and farms directly to restaurants end to end. So we would manage that entire supply chain, do the distribution, do the sourcing, uh, and essentially replace a pen and paper and multi-middleman process with you know one streamlined online marketplace. So that's what we had built. And we we obviously pivoted during during COVID. Now, did you start in Vancouver? Was this where you got the program going? Yeah. So uh, actually, where we started was um, the idea was 
conceived in, in New Brunswick, actually, in a, in a small fishing village called Point Vert. And really how it started was uh, my business partner, Robert, and I, um, you know, we go way back, probably 11, 12 years now. Uh, and his family has been in the lobster fishing business uh, probably for about three or four generations. And, you know, we were chatting with uh, a fisherman off the dock one day and um, he was lamenting and, and, and angry and saying, hey, you know, if I could sell all of my catch right here off the dock to consumers, I totally would because I'm getting paid 10 times more, 15 times more compared to, you know, selling to the broker or the packer. And uh, he was saying, I'm often forced to sell to the packer because there's no easy way for me to go direct. And um, that's when we asked ourselves, hey, um, how can we democratize access to these small scale fishers, farmers and producers um, in a digital way and make it seamless uh, for consumers to be able to purchase as well? And that's kind of where the, the idea was born for our previous company. You know, it, I, I really am used to talking mostly about other foods other than fisheries, but I'm really mm -hmm. intrigued because you have that combination. and. and one of the things is that in agriculture, concerns are about industrialized, industrialized agriculture. One thing about uh, a system that is more, quote, industrialized is it's like clockwork saying, okay, you know, we're going to have a thousand pigs a day or something like that, whatever it is. And yeah. I suspect that, of course, as you get to smaller scale, it's a little harder to deal with volumes and the predictability of, you know, fresh product. And I would think that'd be especially the case with fisheries. I mean, I don't know that if you're in the lobster business that you're going to count on, I'm going to have 100 every single day for the next 300 days or something. And, and so um, to have a, a flexible system that can adjust to what the catch is and what uh, and that's that sort of thing, I would, I would think a system like you've designed would be especially important. Mm hmm. Yeah, you're you're you know, you hit the, the nail on the, the head there. Uh, seafood is probably the most variable uh, when it comes to perishable foods, perishable ingredients. Um, it's not like farming at all. Uh, obviously, fish farming is a little bit different. But when it comes to wild catch, wild fisheries, um, having a system and having a reliable source for restaurants and, and different retailers is paramount. Um, and obviously, one of the only ways to do that is to go to these factory ships, big uh, seafood companies that often ship stuff to China and ship it back. It's not always the most sustainable. So really, our model was if we can get enough of the small guys, the small, bo uh, small boats onto the platform, even if there is a little bit of variability, there's often backfill and there's enough you know, fishers. Uh, going out and harvesting the same type of products to create that consistency for consumers. You know, there's a lot of talk in agriculture, and I talk about it a lot, about know your mm -hmm. farmer. Uh, is it similar with people that are kind of buying fish, that uh, to know their fishermen, to, uh, to, to know where they, where they fish and who it is that's, that's bringing the catch in and know who brought the lobster in, into the, the port? Totally. Yeah. I think uh, traceability and knowing where, where your food comes from is paramount. Obviously, you know, sometimes when you look at uh, a cut of beef or a, a cut of uh, a filet, salmon filet, uh, for the everyday consumer, it's 
not really obvious exactly what type of cut or what type of beef, what type of animal it is. So, you know, there are some players, unethical players that have taken advantage of that and, and you know, will use food fraud, food mislabeling to make an extra buck. So I think 100% it's, it's paramount and it has to be the future, uh, you know, traceability and knowing exactly uh, and verifying, you know, where your food is coming from. So you developed a system and would it be that you actually, uh, you and your colleagues, uh, what, wrote software programs and created uh, that that would be able to, I, that people could put into that platform then what they have to sell and, and all the other kind of descriptions or whoever's searching that they could be able to search for a supplier that has all those details. And did you, uh, you and your colleagues actually, put your hands on a computer for a period of yeah. time start <laughs> writing these programs? Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I, I actually come from a, a fairly entrepreneurial background. Um, I've been building businesses since I was uh, probably 14 or 15. Uh, I've worked in a variety of different industries and spaces. And uh, I studied computer science and business in college uh, before actually dropping out to start this business. Um, despite the bemoaning of my parents uh, to yeah. stay in school. But yeah, uh, yeah we know. did have a team. Yeah. You and Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of other notables that have decided that path that they didn't need to stick it out to the, to the end. I ha I understand uh, farming and agriculture pretty much. I understand the channels. I understand a little bit about about fishing i wish i knew knew more about it i don't understand anything about building a computer program i mean somehow i i feel like uh you know you and i both have laptop computers and you have computers and you sit down and you start you st you know give me the uh the 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 version that you say for third graders of kind of programming for dummies I mean, so do you, you start with like a whiteboard or something? You start sketching, okay, yeah. this is what the need is, and then you start having to convert that into the language for the, on the computer? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, um, technology has advanced so much uh, today to the point where you can actually even create simple apps without needing to know a single aspect of coding. So there are kind of building blocks out there that you can use to create your own applications and your own services right. uh, without having the technical know-how. I think the really important thing is really understanding your customer and making sure that you're not building something just for the sake of building something. Um, you're actually building something that's going to delight people and is going to solve a real problem. So, you know, that was really what, what transpired with Freshline where you know, during the height of the pandemic, obviously suppliers across the globe had unprecedented challenges and they had to really reinvent their business, um, as did we, um, you know, as a business that had scaled up to a team of 15 plus, uh, you know, having done more than 5 million in revenues, um, we lost probably 80% of that overnight uh, because every fine dining a restaurant across uh, Canada and in the United States had essentially halted. Um, and that's when we had all these suppliers, the farmers, the producers, the fishers, the butchers that, you know, we had known throughout the community coming up to us and say, hey, um, I know you have this online software, online 
uh, system to be able to sell direct to restaurants and uh, sell direct to consumers, how can I get on that and how can I help future-proof my own business? Uh, and that's when we started building Freshline. So, you know, again, I kind of like start within you. You've identified the needs of, um, I don't know if you start in the middle and work backwards or you start at the end and work forward or, you know, you, mm -hmm. you work at, at the farmer or the fisherman and they're going to have fresh product uh, available. And the emphasis seems to mean your name is fresh. And, and so compared to frozen or other processed or dehydrated or whatever else or canned or so or product, it's got to move pretty quick. Uh, oh, yeah. so, so you've got to have product that, Hey, this is what's available right now. And here's the price right now. And here's the arrangements for shipping right now. And you got to get on it. So you've, you've kind of defined your area as being that responsive, I guess that you're filling that specific need for fresh, which again, I think the larger industrial scale um, organizations would have a hard time doing that to yeah, turn on a dime. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think, you know, when it comes to e-commerce, I think prior to COVID, it, it was probably 95%, 99% all shelf-stable goods that were being transacted. So things like T-shirts and electronics. Right. But, you know, as we see this new wave in uh, perishables and food and beverage being sold online, uh, actually, that was the fastest growing segment in all of e-commerce during COVID. And people are predicting that's going to continue to be the case. Uh, it's going to grow very, very rapidly. Uh, the needs of these food suppliers, food businesses, whether they're a farmer or a butcher or a fish market, are inherently, like you mentioned, very, very different than you know, someone selling shelf-stable goods. Yeah. Well, that's it's it's really, really interesting. Now you've expanded and now you have um, you have some operations or offices or team members in what did you say San Francisco too? And uh, just just in Toronto and Vancouver, but we, okay. we do a lot of work in San Francisco and we're down there quite often. We, we have a, a decent number of investors uh, in the Bay Area. What about the about the people that are using it right now? As far as, say, the, uh, among farmers and fishermen, are, where are they from primarily? Uh, they're all across North America. Um, so we see people in mid Western states, uh, all the way to the East Coast in New York, to down south in San Diego, all the way to Florida, um, and then up as as north as uh, you know Yukon. Uh, so we we have suppliers across um, the entire nation in Canada and, and the U.S. Um, and we're location agnostic. So, you know, that's an interesting concept right there. But still, let's go back on it and say, for example, you get yeah. all this information up and you've got, whether it's a fish or meat in particular, but of, of this produce that's, that's up, uh, who buys something from you? Does somebody uh, actually then pay you uh, a fee or uh, to use the service or is it a, a one-time platform purchase? How does that, how does that work? Yeah. So the unique thing about us is our mission is to always be in the background. We want to build the farmer or the supplier's brand and right. not our own. So uh, when a customer goes on to uh, a website or a shop powered by Freshline, uh, they won't necessarily know uh, that it's ours. 
So they'll go on and it'll be branded as, for example, urbanfarms.com, have Urban Farms products and their services and their information. Um, but Freshline will be the one powering that entire experience all the way from the front end of what the, the customer interacts with and the back end tools that the farmer or the supplier uses to really uh, streamline their back end operations and make their lives a little bit easier uh, selling online. So they pay you though something. I mean, is, is, they do. is, is it a, is it a monthly thing or the typically? Exactly. So we, we just charge a monthly fee and we don't charge any marks, uh, markups or transaction cuts. Um, you don't think suppliers should be penalized for growing or, or getting more sales. So right. uh, we don't take any cut. Is it approachable enough that somebody that's pretty small can, can, uh, st- can still jump in? I mean, I, I get it if, you know, medium sized businesses and so forth, but, 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 but what if you're someone that is producing something that is, is very, very, very seasonal? Um, does it, is it approachable that they can kind of get into it and then, end up then having whatever their product is shown and available to the next step on the chain that uh, either a distributor or food service or supermarket? Yeah. So the way we've designed it is for seasonal producers, um, they only get charged for the months they are in season. And uh, we've, you know, we're fairly transparent with our pricing. It's on our website. Um, You know, we're definitely not the lowest on the market, but we think the added services and, and everything that we had built, you know, end to end specialized for food um, really makes the price warranted. But at the same time, it's it's not an obscene uh, a pricing figure. It's actually, I can say right now, it's, uh, it starts at $99 per month um, and there is no contract by any means. Well, you know, you pointed out there's a, there are other people that are doing this. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you sent me a note and we talked. I looked at what you're doing. I thought, oh, yeah, talk about that. Even though, you know, I haven't, I haven't used your program. I don't know what the competitors are doing. But I do know that there's, there's others out there trying to fill similar gaps. And the thing that strikes me about this is that it just is something that the time is right. Like you said, mm-hmm. in COVID, it's one of those things that more and more People want to go direct. They want to minimize the chain. And I think in the process, the system's going to be more resilient than um, than in the old days when you just, you know, went to some, you know, huge processor and got in line to get whatever your product is through that. And then some huge distributor like Cisco or somebody uh, that's pulling big trucks up in front of someone else uh, and, and so forth. This is really, really very, very unique. Now, now, what about to the end consumer? Does um, do you do you open it up to the end consumer too, or does it come just short of the consumer? Uh, so it's actually for the farmer or the producers to sell to whoever they want. So they could actually sell to a retailer or uh, a restaurant or a chef, but they could actually choose to sell direct to consumer as well. So mm-hmm. I'd say. 75, 80% of all the businesses that are under our portfolio, uh, under our partnership, um, are selling actively to consumers. Um, some of them may be selling 500 bucks a month. Uh, and we have some people selling a million dollars worth of uh, products right. per month to consumers. So a fairly wide range. So if I ended up having, uh, say, for example, I was going to make my own tomatoes and I was going to make salsa out of my kitchen or something like that. And I wanted to be able to market it 
all over North America. Um, I could go online and, and, and then create this program that, should, that allows a transaction to take place. But how do I wrap my own pitch around it? How do I, if, if you got the basic fundamentals of here's, the, here's what it is and here's what it costs and here's how we can get it to you and here's the way you can pay, which are all the basic things in those transitions. But what about adding the sizzle to the steak? What about adding that, you know, the, the story and, the, you know, the promotion and, and all of that to try to build up demand? Does it, yeah. does it interface with your system? Totally, totally. So whether it's uh, an external integration, so maybe a mail uh, service or um, like an ad service, you could actually hook that up directly onto the Freshline platform. But we also have an in-house suite of tools, uh, whether it be discounts or um, promos or um, highlighting different things uh, within your store. Uh, It's really up to the supplier to put their own imprint on it. Uh, Again, we're just a template. We allow them to drag and drop and set up the store in an easy to use way. Um, but at the end, and it's it's up to the supplier to really go out and find a market for their products and, and find success. Uh, we're obviously there to support uh, and, and help as needed. Yeah, yeah. It, have they formed an association yet of, of companies that are doing the kind of thing you're doing? Uh, the types of customers? No, not to type the customers. I was thinking about your competitors. I mean, people that are in this space, you have probably some common interest in governmental policies or taxes or something. Uh, I just wondered whether or not there's a, as this is taking shape, it's kind of a a new space, a new segment of the, of the food chain. I, I was just curious whether or not associations or councils are being formed that allow you to, uh, interact with each other on the, challenges and opportunities and requirements yeah we've we've definitely talked to a few associations obviously uh they're the ones with the network uh of farmers and producers and and they know everyone you know in their local vicinity so we've tried to to spark up partnerships but when it comes to competitors or incumbents trying to squash this local food uh movement uh we haven't had too much uh pushback and and part of that is Consumers want local food, right? I think the trajectory, as you said, of of local procurement has shot up and and it's not something that's going to slow down Um, and consumers are embracing it. And and that's fair, right? They they get access to quality that they could never have before. They get access to a story they never had before. Uh, They even get access to elusive ingredients that they never would have had unless they went down to a restaurant and paid 10x right when it comes to something like wagyu beef or something like uh uni where do you get right you can't you can't go down to your local walmart and and buy that stuff right well so what i hear you saying is that if somebody grows almost anything but from a food standpoint they can go more direct they probably have had some way if they've been in business already some way they're marketing they got people that have gone to farmers markets you got larger scale that have been going to packers and processors and shippers of, of large scale and uh, you're just opening another whole avenue that uh, can kind of cuts out the middleman hopefully make some lets a farmer make more money and let people get a better variety it's i can really see it so what are the challenges you face to to be offering this kind of service it can't all be rosy what what are the what are the problems of a business like this yeah i think 
fundamentally, um, as you know, uh, whether it's farming or whether it's seafood, um, you know, these are pretty much pen and paper traditional uh, industries that haven't changed in a very long time. So I think the number the number one thing we're trying to do is to educate and to partner and to provide, whether it's the knowledge or technology, the means for for our partners um, to be able to sell online online easily. So uh, there is a bit of a barrier when it comes to getting people online. Um, so that is a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are tons of challenges. I, I don't know if I could pinpoint um, <laughs> well, a few major ones, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was kind of getting at a little earlier is that is that not so much that the competitors would be a dangerous thing for you, but that those of you that had common challenges, you know, can form an association, you know, and say, oh, you know, we we're competing, but let's work together on, on solving this problem or let's get some research. And, and I guess in other areas of agriculture, and I assume probably in the fishing industry as well, there are land grant universities in the states and there are other universities that have areas of research and looking at systems. Is there any help available to someone like you that there are uh, universities or research institutions that are working on things that will will make what you do easier or better in some way? Yeah, 100%. I think we uh, have active dialogue with universities locally and abroad um, all the time. Um, there are tons of research taking place, whether it's minimizing food waste, shortening supply chains, um, local economies, and talking about the impact of local food. So whatever we can do to be participants in those studies um, or to actively help them, we, we, we try to engage in. Um, and federally, I think there are lots of grants uh, and programs as well to help companies looking at agriculture, looking at the food space, uh, because like uh, we've talked about, it's it's a new space. It's an area that hasn't seen a lot of growth and hasn't seen a lot of change. So I think governments are eager to see positive momentum and positive growth happening uh, in the vertical. So I would imagine that many of the people you're working with are running this whole business off smartphones right now. They, do they, you know, they don't, possibly have to have a big investment in a in their the computer end of their business do they no uh, not at all yeah like you said uh, people can run it on their smartphones or laptops tablets um yeah i mean the future is digital right yeah yeah that's what we think let me just ask you uh you know kind of wrapping up where you see it right now i mean it's just gone like crazy i mean is uh, is there a spot ahead where you say it, it kind of takes a pause and saying, you know, we've had this phenomenal growth. Is it going to change? Do you, do you see it easing up? Is it kind of plateau for a while? Or, or, or what makes you feel that it's going to be um, any different from the way it is right now? I mean, it's gone very, very quickly. But uh, how do you feel about the future of, of this sort of service? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think the velocity of growth is definitely not going to be on par or near, you know, what happened during the pandemic. But I think it's safe to say this has been, um, there has been a ground a groundswell and there has been a movement um, and uh, push towards local food for many years now, probably 10, 15 years or more. Um, so I think it's an area that's continuing to grow 
But I think um, one really exciting area that's happening up as growth starts to, to slow down and plateau is um, aside from local food on the consumer side, um, looking at it on the, the restaurant and food service side as well. Yeah. So uh, that's another area where, you know, there is little to no digital innovation. Um, all procurement, all sales are, are pretty much pen and paper, faxing, emailing. Mm-hmm. So there is an opportunity for farmers and producers, fishers to be able to connect directly to hundreds of, re- hundreds of restaurants and businesses, um, have more avenues to find success and find growth um, in, a, in a scalable way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a pretty exciting space to be in. Yeah, I, I wonder someday if it's the there will be more uh, control in the hands of consumers. I mean, for me, for example, uh, I prefer beef that are black baldies that are Angus Hereford crosses, and I, I I want them to spend a lot of time on pasture, but I like them when they're corn fed at the end, and mm-hmm. I can be pretty descriptive about it. I like I like pork that is um, Durox. I like eggs that come from little blue eggs, you know, and yeah. uh, and it's kind of extravagance, you know. So beyond just the farm itself, you know, you get used to saying, "Okay, this tastes best to me." Uh, I wonder who's got it, and I wonder whether there's a potential to almost have the power that around me had at first, which uh, I think anymore it seems like some people are left out of around me because they're not paying a fee or something. But that idea of uh, when you don't have to just be kind of around me of, you know, where's the coffee shop within a mile of where I'm standing right now, but you know, who's got uh, Columbia uh, Suffolk cross fresh lamb that just come from the mountains that yeah. I could order online or, you know, certain other kind of varieties or non pareil almonds and so forth. And, and I wonder when that'll come and give even more power into the hands of the consumer and your system finds it and so that to deliver it for them. Totally, totally. And I mean, you, you see this with Amazon, right? With, you know, one day right. shipping, two day shipping, and um, people are getting more and more used to getting that convenient delivery right to their door. Um, obviously, being within a local vicinity of, of a farm makes it a lot more likely for you to be able to procure those types of goods. And I think last mile, uh, whether it's trucking or carrier shipping, is going to evolve and it's going to unlock those types of opportunities where, like you said, consumers have more choice uh, and can get the products they want. Yeah, well, that's, I'll tell you, that's another one. We'll have another podcast sometime talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> that last mile delivery, because I think that, um, like so many people, for this, this last year, um, I can't count the number of Amazon trucks that are going down our oh, street yeah. and uh, and then we've tried a number of the delivery systems that are you know uh, about all of them i think are tried them and it's kind of interesting you know we get hello fresh and we get you know a n- number of others that are competitors too so it's it's exciting and and to totally. see something move as fast as it has and see a, a company like yours get up and running and helping the farmers and the fishermen and the suppliers and make those all connections. Um, more power to you. Good job, Joseph. So, uh, you know what? I mean, you do have competitors, but I'm sure you're doing a really good job. So, if we people listening to this and they want to know about what you're doing, I mean, where do they find you? Where do they look yeah. online to know more about it? So, you can find us at freshline.io. 
uh, and my personal email is uh, joseph at uh, freshline.io. I love to talk to new farmers, businesses, uh, anyone in the food industry all the time. So, you know, whether or not we partner, um, you know, if you want to just jam on ideas about food and, and just chat, feel free to, you know, email me anytime. Well, I think that um, we'll have you back to jam on ideas about food sometime. I think that um, sure. some of the other conversations I've had, I can see that they should have you kind of join in the conversation because to think outside the box and to really look at the broad issue and say, how do we take something like this crazy year we just finished and turn those lemons into lemonade? I think it yeah. takes somebody to think outside the box and, and um, you can't get much further outside the box than you are with fresh lines. So Joseph Lee, I want to thank you for being on farm to table talk. Well, thank you, Roger. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. If you like what you hear, go to farmtotabletalk.com and follow us. Thanks for listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Roger Wasson.